Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Monday. I'm back after an extended Thanksgiving break. Not sure about you folks, but it was a really nice, hmm, what was that, five days ago? where I decided to just kind of take a break from all things computer and mostly online stuff. So just getting back to the computer this morning, and I'm not surprised that I had a billion emails, as I think any of us would. The surprising part to me is that very few of them are very interesting at all. So many emails, so many, so many that I've subscribed to. So actually, I spent a good chunk of time just once and for all unsubscribing from all the things today. You know, life's too short. There's too many seconds wasted using that delete button for things I'm not going to buy. And maybe I did at one point, but I can always go find them, right? Right? We can always just go find what we want. We don't need 10 emails from one place in one week. It's so crazy. In that way, I guess it was a productive break because that was just a really glaring part that I realized today. You know, you don't realize it sometimes when it's daily. You just delete, delete, whatever. But coming back to several hundred emails and having most of them just be delete, delete, (laughs) it's kind of a wake-up call. So it was a very nice break. And I think it does go along with my podcast today, uh, just as far as ways things have changed. We are more than ever a digital world, but I see more opportunities than ever as well to unsubscribe, to just get out of it, to not do it, and to just do what's necessary, what feels good, and to focus our energies on the here and now on our families, on the people in our life for real. You know, the women that um, I adore here, you know, that pay me money to witness them. Uh, These are the people I want to give my time and energy. So I'm so glad for the break. I'm so glad for the clarity today. And I'm very glad for this podcast idea. Uh, It came from one of our IBMS students, Ashley. So thank you, Ashley. And I have mentioned it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, over, I don't know, the last months, the last bunch of years that I have really changed as a midwife. And I've said it kind of fleetingly here and there. I've certainly done podcasts that have aimed to be more specific about what it is that I'm offering. And of course, these are all self attempts at clarity is what they really are, because as we change, Sometimes we need our own like markers of where we came from. And sometimes it's just something that someone says or, you know, uh, if I'm teaching midwifery or, or showing a birth video, I realize that the words coming out of my mouth 
are different than they would have been a couple of years ago that I'm actually seeing things differently. So I'll talk about that. Uh, One wake up, another wake up call I feel like I got the other day for myself, just, you know, am I on the path, which is always the question I'm asking, Uh, came back to the information I send people when they do consultations. So that's where that podcast last week came from, just kind of witnessing what I was sending out to people. And not that it was bad, it just was old, it just wasn't me anymore. And, you know, again, with email kind of stuff, it's also easy to just kind of get in this lull and, you know, things change, but maybe the wording doesn't change or maybe it comes down to a website even that you're offering. One day you look at it and you're like, yeah, it's cute, but that's not really me anymore. So that's how I've been feeling and I've been just making changes accordingly. So it makes sense that I would do this podcast today and just share a little bit about how that's looked, even though I also feel like, uh, even though um, you all are an inside my head, certainly, if you're a an avid podcast listener, I'm sure you've inferred some of these changes and just felt them naturally and organically with me as I've made them, which I think is how the best change happens. You know, it's not an intellectual choice. It's not from the ego. It's not like, oh, I'm going to actively change this thing. Sometimes it is. As I said, I saw this old document of mine and it was like, oh, I'm going to change that. But I didn't change it from that place. I really connected with my heart to say, okay, what does this need to say now? So changing as a midwife has been a huge theme, but changing as a person has been a huge theme. And I'm not the person I was six months ago, last year, two years ago, three years ago. But I don't know who is. I feel like so many people have experienced change. And I'm talking about change on an internal level, which I'll talk about more. But I know lots of people, I mean, all of us really, the world has externally changed as well. I was reading some article the other day about, what was it about? Um, you know, strengthening your body and your lungs. All the kids had a sniffle. I kind of got it. So I was just reminding myself of some acupuncture points and things like that. And this entire article turned out to be about the lungs and grief. And that is not a new concept to me. As many of you know, the lungs is kind of my system of the body that requires my most attention in this body, in this life. So I know that it's associated with grief, but I had never thought about it on a global sort of cosmic collective scale. That the last few years with all the sickness or threat of sickness or fear even, that we've all been engaged in this sense of grief. And some of it has manifested physically for sure, you know, occasionally as a cold or a sickness. But then as this larger COVID monster, we could say that, and this was what the article was saying, um, we could say that the attention to the lungs with that whatever, uh, you know, man-made disgusting germ uh, really does come down to the fact that maybe we all need or needed to feel collective grief for what we were going to leave behind. And so that's where it felt really positive to me and really right on that whatever your reason, COVID, whatever, um, we have changed. And 
it's felt like everybody has a chance or has had a chance or continues to have that chance to really reassess their lives and where they're going and if it feels good or if it doesn't and make a choice and that's all. So grief for that which we leave behind, even when we feel like we're moving on to better and bigger things. And I definitely feel that way in my own life. So um, yeah, it's really about changing as an entire human being. And if I had to describe the change as a midwife in particular and as a human, I would just say that I've had lots of changes in perspective. And perspective is the way we see things. We all see things differently. Did you ever think about how crazy that is? That literally two people could watch the same happening unfold in front of their eyes. And they could have two completely different stories. And not only just story of the event, but how they felt about it. Our perspective is completely unique in a sense to us. And what we're seeing in the world is a reflection of what's going on inside. It's like the world is a giant mirror. So when we have inner change, we certainly see it on the outside. But it's not the same the other way around. If, um, you know, we change things on the outside, just on the external. And of course, you could think of really simple examples, uh, like the way you dress or cutting your hair. It's not really going to change you on the inside as a person. So this change in perspective is what I've narrowed it down to. And I'll talk more about what that has felt like in the birth arena. But I just see things differently. It's like, I got a different pair of eyes. And again, if you're an avid podcast listener, you know that about a year ago, I gave up my corrective lenses. I had worn contacts for 20 years and also had a pair of glasses on the side. And I'm free. I'm free of that. I rarely wear glasses anymore, even to drive on the highway, if you can believe that. I'm much more comfortable these days just going out as is. Uh, And it doesn't mean I see every sign super clearly. So obviously, if I need to put them on, I will. This isn't like a test of the ego, but it's been a whole year. I've not ordered contacts. I've not worn my glasses more than a handful of times. And I'm saying that because it is deeply meaningful. It's not just about not wearing the contacts and not having to order them, although that's very nice. It has changed my perspective on the world. And what is that book? Um, Take Off Your Glasses and See or something like that. I never remember authors when I'm kind of on the spot podcasting, but um, that was a life-changing book. And then, of course, working with my mentor, Donna Maria, over the course of the last year. And I'm sure this work will continue, this change in vision. Because again, vision isn't just what we see externally. It's also what we see and feel internally. So having a change in perspective doesn't just have to do with our eyes. It has to do and do with everything, really, um, just how we feel and how we're seen in the world and how the world sees us. So you could really take this whole seeing and vision metaphor quite a long ways. And I think that would be really useful for many people. Um, 
So again, this change in perspective is what I've hit upon. That's what's changed me most as a midwife. I just have a different way of seeing it all from how I sit with a woman to what my responsibilities are to how I behave at a birth. It just feels like a whole new person. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. The midwife role, as I like to say, is indeed a role. So it is not my identity and is even less so. And, you know, even being off the computer for the last five days does sort of go along with that for me. You know, a long time ago, I don't think I would have done that. I would have felt like, well, what's happening? And what if someone needs this? Or, you know, indie birth this or indie birth that. And now it's like, eh, whatever. You know, I have much more of a life than this whole thing, although I'm grateful for it. And being a midwife isn't my identity. It's just a part of who I am. And if it was my identity at any point, that really comes from a place of ego. And, you know, I'm not um, immune to that. We are here as humans on earth. We have egos. We're not getting rid of them anytime soon. So it's just a matter of awareness. I'm not saying I don't have one. Uh, It's just paying attention to how it comes out and all of that. And I think it does go without saying, of course, that a lot of midwifery, a lot of midwifery practice does come from this ego place. And, you know, again, I don't think it's really ours to judge in someone else, although it's tempting sometimes. Uh, I have, you know, many stories over the years where women play from that place, you know, they practice from that place of ego. And it usually winds up pretty bad for them. Usually, they don't hang out in midwifery for too long, or they just have a really um, intense burn down to the bottom. And I know that's pretty, uh, you know, big to say. And if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, with some of my own students the last couple of years, I would agree that that sounded really dramatic. But if we're in a place of ego, and we think that's where we change as a midwife. So I do think, you know, um, students are, are, uh, you know, it's possible, it's possible for a student to be more tempted in a sense by that whole thing. Because being a midwife, it's what someone has wanted for so long. And, you know, so easy to get into that ego role. And then, like I said, just kind of have it go down fast, because we can't stay in that place to serve other people. We can't stay in that place um, when it's our soul's path. And so, Maybe it's a case of the chicken or the egg, you know, with that whole thing. If it's not your life's path, maybe it's easier to get into the ego. And if it's easier to get into the ego, maybe you're supposed to be doing something else. I don't know. But back to my own experience, since that's all I can really speak on. Inner change produces outward change, as I said. And it's a whole person deal, not just this egoic midwife hat we put on. So, um, in reflecting more about this change of perspective, another way to say it is it's not just about things I do or don't do differently. And I could talk about those things. Like, there's definitely things that have changed, concrete, external ways of behaving, but it's really not so much about that to me anymore. And really, this change is altogether less of a doing and more of a knowing and more of a reconnection. 
presence is a word that's come up a lot for me in this change and this continued change. Like I said, we're not static beings. The midwife I am today, uh, the midwife you are or the doula you are or the mother you are today is probably not the mother you're going to be next year or even next month, depending on what you're working on or your circumstance or your story. But presence has felt just the word for me lately. And I did a couple of podcasts ago talk about bringing nothing to birth except this presence. I do believe this is one of the main objectives of being a human on this earth is to experience and work on being completely present. And, you know, I'm not going to spout off too much about that. There's plenty of great work and information and people out there that make their entire living in lives about staying present, whether it's from meditation to religious practices. But for me, it has been the work. It has been the practice. And, you know, how does that look for me? Anything from just taking my time, frankly, taking my time being with what I'm with. And if that's a laboring mama, then I'm with her. And It's a practice to not have your brain 10 other places. It's not something just happens. And again, it's not something the ego tells you to do. So don't think about that. You know, you're with this mom. Don't think about kids at home. Nope, not really like that. Uh, Just a practice that enables you to focus your energy and your love really wholeheartedly on whatever's in front of you. And it's a practice. It's a practice that doesn't happen overnight. I'm not 100% there. I don't know that I ever will be, but that is the objective of being human. So this has definitely changed my work as a midwife. How could it not? When I'm in front of someone, I do my best to fully be in what's being shared. And, you know, this comes back to counseling and things we were taught and all of these ways that we work on it. We work on being better listeners. We work on having more sage advice. But at the end of the day, people feel a presence and they feel the lack of a presence. So uh, in all the ways that we can strengthen that. And like I said, for me, it's just slowing down. Um, Yes, meditation. Yes, breathing. um, Chanting, I I mentioned in one of the other podcasts. Whatever connects you to God, uh, your version of God, whatever that is, Um, that's a great way of feeling presence, of just feeling the here and now. I just don't have energy for bullshit anymore. That's definitely a change. And, you know, I feel like that's been a constant evolution. I can think many years back when I didn't have time for bullshit. And it looks even more um, non-compromising nowadays. I just don't. I don't engage in confrontations or arguments, especially online, if there's something said that isn't aligned with what we are representing, then it goes. You know, there's just no um, room for that. There's always room for conversation with real people, but that's often not what's being spewed online. So I just don't care. And that feeling really has carried through to birth as well in the best ways. So again, I won't rehash all of that, but the couple podcasts ago where I shared about bringing nothing. I also shared about having this feeling of just not caring. And I haven't found better words in the couple of weeks since recording that for that phrase. Because as I said, of course I care. It's just, 
I'm not attached. I'm not attached to any of it. And I don't feel that. Let me see how to describe like um, that energy that we can put on someone when we have expectations. You know what I mean? If you have children, you certainly know what I mean. And maybe if you're a midwife or a doula, I'm not sure. But this idea that like you want to extend your energy kind of over what's your business, um, even if they're a client, you know, into their sphere and you kind of want to influence their experience. And of course, that's well-meaning, but we don't get to do that for other people. That's not our job. And as my mentor would say, mind your energetic business. Just don't do that. Uh, So I don't care. I really don't care about what someone's experience needs to be. And of course, that doesn't mean that I'm not doing my part, hopefully, and staying accountable to people as I promised and, you know, holding them up in the highest light, the highest light and and vision of love that I can. But at the end of the day, uh, and it's been said many times by me and I'm sure many others before, I'm not God. Midwives are not God. Doctors are not God. None of us are in control of the fate of a soul of another being. So why do we try? And, you know, I think we often know that on a big scale, I hope, that we're not responsible for a soul choosing to leave this plane. It's not possible. But sometimes with the more minutia, we sometimes think we are. Um, Oh, if I had just done this thing differently, you know, maybe she would have stayed at home for her birth or whatever it is. And again, we're human. There are those places for reflection. But I guess that's a huge change for me as I just have less desire to rope myself in in a guilty way to someone else's story. Um, I can take accountability where it's due for myself, but it's not my story. And again, I think that's something that's been said many times, but on what level? On what level do we mean it? And when we mean it, that's great. But then I think we can continue to explore the deeper levels of some of these mantras that we repeat to ourselves. Another way I've definitely experienced change in the midwife role is that I just respond to questions differently. I respond to um, inquiries and, you know, everything that someone asks me because they think I know. And maybe that is uh, a client or maybe that's an email that comes through. Well, truthfully, a lot of those emails don't get answered. I just don't have time for that. But with my clients um, or even my kids, you know, I think I've said before, my older daughters often will say, well, what should I do about this? And gosh, it's so much more challenging to just witness even your own child in something that's uncomfortable and say, what do you think? Or I don't know. Or what are you feeling? Or what do you feel you should do? Um, these are the harder questions. And, you know, I've seen that evolution in myself as a midwife, even in teaching, right? And I've shared this with many students, maybe you're one, that when a woman says to us, for example, um, hey, I have heartburn, what, what should I do about that? We teach, right? Even in midwifery school, although our school not as much, um, we teach that there's a response to that, you know, but who doesn't have Google? We don't need to respond to people in that way, 
unless that's really what we want to do. And that's the level at which we're playing. And again, for some midwives, it is. It's purely prescriptive and it's purely a power dynamic. And, you know, the client wants that. It's all fine. It's all good. But for me, those questions have really morphed over the years. So um, getting more information from someone, but then also not being so ultra spiritual about it, right? Uh, Yeah, maybe heartburn is due to some emotional struggle she's going through. But we know that in the ways that we can, because we know her and we've heard her story and we're open to hearing more. But, you know, at the end of the day, I also don't have any judgment if she just wants to chew a Tums. And I didn't used to be like that in a way. I had so much more judgment around how someone would choose to do a thing. Um, but it's because I didn't trust myself. And therefore, it was really hard to trust other people. And I don't feel that way anymore. Although I think that's also a journey we continue to be on, this one of trust and communication with our bodies. Um, But, you know, give her all the options. I don't know better than her. And I trust she'll do what's right for her. And again, the depth of the relationship makes it so that it's not prescriptive, but that it's fully open. It's fully open for her to be her. And um, that's definitely something that keeps changing over the years. And, you know, I say more than ever now, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's right for you. I know that you know, and here's what I can counsel you with. Um, Tune in, you know, find that place inside of yourself that knows. And let's practice that, right? So that's what we do in prenatal care nowadays. It's less clinical. It's less what's only happening in the physical body. um, But how do we connect? How can we help these women connect their energy from their heart to their wombs, uh, from their third eye to their wombs, right? Because we all know. So that is kind of skipping ahead. Um, is really what I see my role as nowadays. Not so much the, you know, clinical keeper. I do keep records. And, you know, it's funny, what we focus our attention on is what we get. So back in the day when I was paying so much attention to someone's physical pregnancy, which again, is not bad. And if you're learning as a midwifery student, please learn these things. And then you can decide in what ratio to use them when you're actually practicing as a midwife. But for so many years, it was paying such good attention. You know, I was a great student. When I was a kid, I was a straight A student. Um, I was the salutatorian of my high school class. I got a full scholarship to my uh, Catholic girls high school. So I know what it is to be a good student. And I know what it is to have been that good midwife, you know, the one that checks all the boxes in a way and not for the government, not that whole thing, just like because that's what we do. Um, And the more you focus on that, the more you learn in that way. And that's not bad. So, uh, you know, more people that maybe have blood pressures going up or um, if you're doing urine sticks, you're going to see stuff on the stick and you're going to learn about that. So it's not bad. Again, this is just me changing. Um, I pay so much less attention to that stuff nowadays. And, you know, I, I am careful to not sound cavalier with that. Again, especially if you're not a midwife yet, I'm not encouraging you to throw it all out the window. Uh, this is me after almost 15 years of doing this. Um, but I just see how uh, the medical model has influenced our practice so much more and more each day. And I see again, perspective, I see all the ways that midwifery, even a lot of the things that we teach, um, 
are to appease that model, to appease this model that birth is physical and sometimes it goes wrong or, you know, we can't exactly trust the process or the body and even something as funny, egotistical as I think a lot of midwifery is teaching women to be little doctors. You know, I think there's something in a lot of us, and I say that collectively, um, that wants to feel validated in that way. We want to get that little check of approval from the medical world. Oh, she's a good midwife. Or even from ourselves, you know, to say, whatever it is, like whatever midwives choose to do, which is their business. But again, things that I've maybe chosen differently. Um, Ivy's at home. Great example. Not for me. Nope. Not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I have no interest in that. And if someone really needs fluids that bad, they should probably go to the hospital, you know, and or there are other ideas there. So um, I think that's something that's definitely changed for me is just firmer boundaries around what I'm willing to do, what I'm not, and what I think my role is. And I'm not saying it has to be the way other people do it. And I think that is a huge difference and why I'm seriously parting with mainstream midwifery once again, uh, because I don't think everybody needs to do it my way. In fact, I think 90% of women choosing home birth and mainstream midwifery would not know how to deal if their midwife didn't do all these very clinical doctory sort of things. Um, so we need to, you know, keep educating women, keep showing what we're showing, teaching what we're teaching, providing what we're providing so that women even know this is an option. I'm super lucky because I'm already in it and doing it. I attract those kind of women. So I don't have to worry about, you know, what does this look like? Or maybe it's the wrong thing. It's not. It's not the wrong thing for her if she's sitting in front of me and we've agreed to work together. So I kind of got on a roll there about all of the um, physical stuff. But um, I'm just looking elsewhere nowadays. My perspective is less intellectual, uh, you know, and Margo and I still, you know, we don't argue, but we sometimes kind of have differing opinions about something like this. Um, how much does someone have to know about birth? And I just said this in my last podcast, so I won't go on and on about it, but I'm pretty convinced in my own change and evolution that intellectual knowledge really doesn't help someone out as much as the deeper dive into what they're feeling in their bodies and their life, what's going on in their life. Um, so that's something that's just changed so, so much for me. And you know, even even information that I still teach and I still value, like nutrition, I still do that. But at the end of it, I, I don't feel this um, need for someone to do it exactly like I'm showing them. It's their responsibility. If they don't care about their health, then they're not the right person. And that will be known. So I feel less of this like teacher-esque quality around being a midwife. And, you know, if you were never a client of mine, maybe you don't even know what I mean. But certainly in the past, um, you know, there were there were things that needed to be completed and done. And I still have those, by the way. I still have boundaries. Uh, they're just more um, around the emotional commitment that someone is making to themselves. I realize that as well. A huge change I've made is that I realize I'm 100% dedicated to myself. And what does that mean? Um, I'm the only one that can do things that can change. And other than the influence of God, universe, 
I'm on my own. And, you know, having God universe is enough. Like, that's all I need. And I'm a self, self-fulfilling prophecy right now. Like, that's it. That's all we get in this life is the connection to something bigger and the unknown of life. That's it. That's all we get. So no one is coming to save me in any which way. And I don't think anyone is coming to save anyone else either. So how can we be in that space with other people? Uh, We have to keep clearing up our own shit. Anytime we think we can save someone or we know better or we can do better, it's us. The mirror needs to be turned. So, you know, continuing to work on that, continuing to be dedicated to myself, to my own health, to my own spiritual growth, to my my own emotional deepening is what I'm about. And that is reflected in the world by bringing women to me that also feel that way. So if you're really on that plane or you're willing to walk that walk, um, again, there's just so much less noise around this whole thing of being a midwife. There's less textbooks. There's less, uh, I don't know, just like a way it looks. And we're truly, truly showing up, bringing ourselves to the table. And it's 111, my magic number, as I'm speaking here. Definitely a huge change has been in how I see my role. I used to see my role as, yes, a space holder, which I think is a very overused word, uh, even though I use it. But also, you know, there was this extra like, oh, but I'm there if. And that's still true. So, you know, when we're talking change, I don't know that we're talking about perceptible external change. We're talking about the nuance of how we feel in our own selves. And that feels like a huge difference to me. Because yes, I still have skills. Um, Sure, I guess I'm there for helping someone out, of course, just like I would naturally on the side of the road even help someone out. Um, But I don't think of that as often. And I don't know if that makes sense. But it dawned on me a couple of months ago, uh, working with someone that had a lot going on. And I felt this like stress and anxiety for a minute over, oh my gosh, there's so much to deal with here. You know, there's so much to know. And then it was like in the blink of a snap, I saw it differently. And I was like, what if my role wasn't to fix her? What if my role wasn't to even like get this certain kind of birth? What if I trusted all of that because I do and I've seen birth work a million times. And at the end of the day, I don't influence how it works anyway. Um, What if I just saw her differently? You know, what if I just held space for her transformation and essentially her soul? So what if, what if I did that? And just in asking myself the question, and I remember writing it in my journal because I have a million journals. And as I wrote it, there was like this, weight that lifted off my shoulders. And, and you know, this isn't popular talk in midwiferyville. So I feel very alone in, in so many moments. Um, but it was like, no, that, like that is the original midwifery. That is what we used to do. Uh, imagine it, right? Like even just practically speaking, I'm thinking back in whatever, ancient times, tribal days, like We didn't have things, you know, we didn't wear gloves. Uh, We washed our hands because 
we wanted to like be able to touch <laughs> as a real person. Um, we didn't carry medications and oxygen. We didn't think these things were necessary. And yet we were also willing to hold the bigness of it all that we didn't control it. We don't control it. And that life and death are two sides of the coin. So, you know, in some ways it's like, what has all this done for us? What has all this infiltration of the medical model into midwifery really done? And, you know, again, I think there are, there are many, many midwives out there, probably most of them, probably most of them uh, who would just look at me and say, I don't understand, or she's fucking crazy or, you know, whatever kind of thing, because to them, the knowledge, the skill, the textbook, the tools, the drugs, that is midwifery. And sure, you know, they have nice chats with their clients and and I'm sure get to know their children and things that feel really different to them. But that is the midwifery of the past for me. I just feel like I left the planet. And um, yeah, there's not a lot of company here. Although I'm super grateful for the close contacts I have um, that do work this way. But back to just keeping that journal question, that felt huge, you know, and that's one that I'm continuing to ask myself and to delve deep into. I'm not there yet. You know, again, the midwife I will be next year, I'm sure will be different. So that question being, what if, what if I didn't see birth in the ways that I was taught? What if I didn't see, you know, having clients and my responsibility as this, yeah, this thing that somehow I was in control of? What if I just trusted all of that to happen while knowing what I know, which sometimes it doesn't, rarely, um, but what if I just saw it differently and and trusted in this in this deeper way, not just this superficial, like, oh, babies come out, you don't need to know anything. No, not that, but a deeper sense of just this bigger picture we're in, especially when someone is pregnant and birthing. So yeah, it's so much bigger. People can be dedicated to themselves or not. And all of the other stuff is just details. So nutrition, labs, um, all fun stuff. You know, we can play doctor for a few minutes. It's really fun. And again, once in a while, someone wants that. And I would totally support that. Once in a while, it's useful. So we have to know what to use, when, what tools, what, you know, what connections, what materials, what numbers to use. But yeah, at the end of the day right now, um, the hugest change is that it just all looks like a show. All of that looks like a show to me. And I know that if I'm really present and the woman is doing her work and we are connecting and deepening our relationship, uh, that's not a recipe for perfection per se. I still don't know what's going to happen. I don't have that ability and I don't want to project that on someone. She might have a great birth. She might not. I don't know. But it's also not my business in a way while still supporting, of course, whatever the outcome happens to be. Um, one very like non-ego, uh, or it is ego, I guess, but I'm presenting it hopefully in a way that makes it seem less egoic, um, <clears throat> is I have had more transports in my time as a Kentucky midwife than I ever had, ever have, ever. And, you know, what does that mean? 
uh, it's given me a lot to think about because, again, in this world, um, midwives are responsible for transports. And I myself have voiced this as well, right? Uh, There's always that practice. In Arizona, there was one. There's one here. There's always that practice that takes on a billion births. And, you know, they don't have a lot of discretion. And they're just sort of like hospital birth at home. And they have a huge number of transports. And it's like, poo poo, you know, sucks for you to be a first time mom with that practice because you're probably going to get transported. Uh, But that's an entirely different model. So, you know, we kind of have to back up and say, like, what role do we think we have when things don't go as planned? Um, Are we responsible? Because if we feel like we are, we're in our ego if we think, well, if I'm her midwife, I mean, of course she's going to have a great birth because I'm a great midwife. So how could she not have a great birth? But it doesn't work that way. Uh, So yeah, I have had the most transports I've ever had. And, you know, none of them were emergent. So that's good. Um, But funny, most of them were choice. Most of them were a woman's choice to do that if she wanted to and to be done. And um, again, you know, I think there's so many ways that people could look in and say, oh, well, you know, that's terrible. She has a really high transport rate. Uh, But they don't know the stories. They don't know the stories and they don't know the choices that were made and, you know, the, the place from which the person made them. But I thought that to be a pretty ironic stat as I'm changing so much and, you know, I'm really holding up this idea of midwife as a ritual keeper, um, as a ceremonial guard, right? That all sounds so romantic and great. And I mean it. I truly mean it. And we have this woman who is going to change. She is going to transform. She will be initiated one way or another. And, you know, to then talk about it not happening and, you know, how that looks and how that affects my change. And actually, it really truly has. And it's affected it in a positive way, just more about what I already said, which is it's given me more opportunity to look at that and say, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to do with that. You know, I did everything I could do, but I couldn't want it more than her. And I couldn't do more than I was capable of doing. And I couldn't try harder than she could try. So at the end of it, it's really seeing someone's path as perfect for them. And Rumi's birth, as many of you know, was a very defining experience for me to say, we deal the best we can with what's put in front of us. And we can't label it necessarily as good or bad. So Um, you know, a transport, is that bad? Uh, Not necessarily. I think for these moms that chose it this last year, it was exactly what they needed. And it wasn't bad. And it wasn't good. It was just their path. And if I'm seeing someone in their soul state more than, oh, this woman with this name, with this number baby, uh, I have to respect that because it's really so much bigger than us. And back to the woman birthing, you know, that that initiation, It comes from wherever we are in alignment with our higher selves. That's what I believe and I have seen. So we can't change the outcome in a sense, right? We can do all the things we can do beforehand and we can want what we want. And I know as well as anyone that we don't always get what we want. And that's a funny thing in a way. You know, I was reflecting on that the other day. 
just that mostly in my life I've gotten what I want and that's really fortunate. But the times I haven't, it's been hard. And all I can say about that is every time I haven't gotten what I thought I wanted, it turned out a million times better than I ever could have imagined. So again, back to that story we write in our heads about other people's experiences. Oh, she had a C-section. That's too bad. Um, No, it's not. I mean, you know, it's not what she wanted. And there are really difficult, um, you know, things that will occur for someone from physical pain in that case, right, to dealing with it emotionally, but I won't label it anymore. It's not too bad. It's exactly what was needed. And it was exactly perfect and built into what her soul's path is. Uh, Another change, and I'm wrapping it up here soon, is I have even less desire to be in any sort of community with mainstream midwifery. And that might sound harsh, that might sound egotistical, that might sound arrogant. I don't care. It's not. I know how to protect myself after all these years. I know how to protect my energy. Um, And it's just apples and oranges. So, you know, not better or worse. There are many people out there, as I've said, that really, really need and should have that form of midwifery because it's where they're at. But there's no comparison. So I know better now. (laughs) We're not going to have fruitful conversations. Um, We're not going to really understand each other. Although, I probably do understand where they're coming from because I was there at one point. I really, truly was. Even up to this past summer, as many of you know, I gave back, gave back the silly CPM credential. Uh, Whatever. Like, what did that even mean, right? It didn't mean anything to me anymore. So I can remember when it did. And I know I worked so hard for it. But for midwives that are really in that place and they're competitive and they're catty and they backstab and they have nothing nice to say, Um, nope, not interested. I don't want a peace treaty. Uh, I'm not waving a white flag. I just don't care. Just go about your business and I'll go about mine. And yeah, it would be nice if everybody could be nice, but I don't control that. And I know that whatever comes out of my mouth, whatever comes out of anyone else's mouth really reflects where they are internally. So I just have no desire to be in that community And um, that's felt like a really solid decision because it's made me just really firm in creating my own reality around the kind of midwifery I offer, around the role that I want to fill. And it takes me farther from that whole thing of like licensing and governments and, um, you know, rules and regs and protocol and all of those things. It's like a foreign world to me. And that's where I want to be, because especially with this sanctuary that we are manifesting, honest and true, that's what it's going to be. This is not like a let's get around the regulations. We're really having a birth center. No, we're not. This is a spiritual community that will offer birth and teach midwives. Um, It is so far from midwifery as midwifery is known it's not even the same thing. So I guess what I'm saying is I've had to really go the extra mile to be clear with myself. And not because I think it's better, but because this is where my soul is leading me. And I can't allow myself to be confused. And I can't allow myself to um, be energetically influenced. And I also no longer feel that sense of less than. 
And I did, you know, I won't lie for many years of being a midwife. It was like, oh, I'm the weird, I'm the weird unlicensed one that like hides in the corner and, you know, people tell stories about because that was part of my experience when I gave my license back in Arizona. Uh, Those were the things that I felt. So um, that sister wound is hard to release. And I don't know that we ever release it. I think we're still all humanly in it. But again, just following my soul's path. And when you're doing that, no one else matters. It's not a matter of better or worse, or they're doing it this way and I want to do it better. It's no, there's only one way for my soul to do this. And this is it. So that's what I'm feeling. And I am grateful for that clarity. And I'm excited about all of the changes that will come and all of the evolution that is ahead. So excited for the women that will also show up to teach me more because that's really how it works. Um, Although it goes sort of hand in hand, you know, I change and then I watch things change on the outside or someone comes and then I respond to that. So it's just kind of a communal way of inspiring the world we want to be in. And the world I want to be in is full of love and trust and connection. And the only way to do that really is to make sure we are constantly doing this within ourselves. (sighs) So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this at least current, current and maybe first, not last version of how I've changed as a midwife. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your comments. You can always get me at marin at indiebirth.org. I don't respond to every email, but um, I may, depending on what you say. And I'd love a review on iTunes. You know, I think I've said it many times before, and you're probably just about to press stop, but don't. Just wait one more minute. I will never bother you guys with ads. I think that's so obnoxious. I will never do it. I will never put an ad in my podcast for you to just grit your teeth through. I mean, are they not so awful? I will never do that. So uh, if you like that idea, if you appreciate that when you're listening, go leave me a review on iTunes. That's just such a simple, free, helpful thing you can do to get this voice, this perspective to other women. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Have a fabulous week.